0: Good afternoon and welcome to Faith FM and Looking Up. My name is Danny Malenkov and I'm blessed today on this gorgeous day here in Walls End, New South Wales to hang out with my good mate and buddy Peter Watts. Welcome Peter. Good to see you
1: Danny and good to, well I was going to say good to see all the listeners but that would be a bit of a fib. So great to know that there are listeners out there and welcome to the show.
0: I'm sure apart from our wives there's probably another one or two others out there so (laughs) it's good that you could join us yeah. So wherever you're joining us from here in Australia um, or in other parts of the world, if you are joining us online, we just want to give you a big warm welcome to our program, Looking Up. And today is another exciting program that we have for you, a very important program, an extremely important program, especially for those who are who consider themselves as being part of a group living at the very edge of eternity, living on the very eve of the coming of Jesus And I don't know about you, Peter, but as I see the tumultuous times uh, just rapidly increasing, I believe that we are drawing nearer and nearer and very quickly to the coming of Jesus. What do you think?
1: Well, one thing's for sure. Every week that goes by draws us one week closer to the second coming of Christ. You know, there was a uh, illustration once um, a little while back, and you know, if you took Bible history, and you put it on a clock face, mm. and you made each hour 500 years. So the the last several thousand years of Bible history, and you've got the various... Uh, we would be in the last two minutes of Earth's history. We are. And uh, I think uh, what's interesting from that perspective is that, uh, you know, in American football, at the end of the game, they have a two-minute warning, and they sort of uh, sound a siren, or they, you know, stop the, stop the game and just let everybody know they let both teams know and the crowd know two minutes two minutes left in the game if you're going to do anything now's the time because there's only two two minutes left in the game it kind of reminds me of that that uh, I think we're in the two-minute warning. So Absolutely,
0: to speak. and um, for the football fans out there, or the soccer fans out there, as we like to call it in Australia, we are in time added on, aren't we? We're in yeah. stoppage time.
1: That's right. Well, you, you, we time. talked about a few, you know, a few weeks ago. Now we talked about the doomsday clock. We did, um, and that's well within the two minutes these days. So it is.
0: It is. We're, yeah, we're talking I, seconds now. Yeah, not minutes, it's, so.
1: time, it's time to, to get close to God and uh, prepare that relationship. So with
0: we him. want to talk about that today. So it's a very important topic. And we're going to, we're going to begin by um, talking about some of the things that have been happening in the news and how that impacts our spiritual journey and um, focusing on our spiritual priorities. So we're going to be looking at that as we go along. We're going to give you some details in just a little while of how you can contact us. If you have a question or a comment, there'll be a free giveaway at the end. But um, I'll share a little more after this beautiful bit of music that you can listen to from various artists. Here am I, so sit back and enjoy.
2: Don't you feel washed clean tonight? The Word of God says that they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ, and there's power in your testimony. There's a whole world longing to know the forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. God is looking for those who are willing to say, Here am I, send me. He says in Psalm 2, Ask of me, and I will give the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. The Lord wants to use us to take His light to the world. He's saying to us tonight, Ask of me. Ask of me. We'll the nation
0: Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that beautiful piece of music. My name is Danny Malenkov and I'm joined here by my friend Peter Watts this afternoon on Looking Up. And uh, we are here with you to unpack another very important program as we dig deep into Bible prophecy, in particular the prophecies that relate to our day and age. So, I'll give you a heads up on where we are going. We won't be going there right now, but in this program, we're going to be taking a look at the all-important subject of the seal of God and the mark of the beast. Uh, These two opposites in the book of Revelation that will determine the fate of every single human being on planet Earth before Jesus comes. So there'll be two groups at the end of time. One group will have the seal of God. And as you, can, um, as you can probably gather from, from, from that phrase and from that title, they are the ones on God's side. They are the ones that spend eternity with God in a place where there is no more sickness and suffering and sorrow. Whereas
1: They, they follow the Lamb they, wherever He they goes. They follow the
0: Lamb wherever He goes, indeed. And then there is the other group on the other side. Sadly, they choose to receive the mark of the beast and they are forever lost. So we're going to unpack that subject um, in a little bit. But before we do, we want to just take a look at, as we always do, on on what's been happening in the world and how that relates to Bible prophecy. Now, before we do that, I want to give you some contact details. If you do want to contact us with a comment or with a question, you can. You can call us on 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Now, if you've missed some of our previous programs, uh, you can go to the Faith FM website, which is um, faithfm.org.au. You can go to Faith FM and just go to the podcast there and uh, seek for Danny Malenkov, Peter Watts, Looking Up!, And you can find all of our previous programs from when we first began a few months ago all the way up until last week. And so that way you can catch up and uh, you can understand the context of where we are going today. Otherwise, it may not make as much sense as it would otherwise if you go to those podcasts and, and catch up. We also have a giveaway today, as always, and so we'll be sharing that with you. It's a fantastic DVD um, on just an incredible miracle that God performed um, almost 200 years ago when He when He raised up a prophetic movement to share God's final message of love to the world. You've seen that DVD, haven't you? Um, I have, yes,
1: and we're going to tell folks about it a little later on, so stay tuned for that because we will be uh, talking about that giveaway. Uh, at the end of this series, and it talks a little bit about uh, the history of uh, God's end time movements, and so we want to share that with you, and um, we'll let you know a little bit about that towards the end of the program.
0: Indeed. So, um, so now we want to move into um, yeah, just taking a look at news. Um and you may have heard you may have heard uh, the phrase news delivered differently there's there's one um television station that um shares news and they share it in a very different way than what people receive it otherwise however we don't share news differently Peter we share news and we deliver it biblically not differently but biblically yes that is differently But that is biblically, and um, we're looking at it through the glasses of Bible prophecy. So uh, today we want to take a look at some of the things that have been taking place in the last week. There is so much taking place, and how that relates to Bible prophecy. And more importantly, how does that relate to our relationship with Jesus? How does this enable us to to have a closer walk with Jesus? Because at the end of the day, we've said this over and over again, and I'll say it again. Uh, you and I are not saved by what we know and the prophecies mm. that we know. We are only saved if we know Jesus and if we have a relationship with Jesus. These prophecies are all designed to help build within us a trust in Jesus, a trust in His Word, a confidence. And, and a confidence that He is coming back soon, that He yeah. has a plan for each and every one of us. So that's, so that's the main reason why God has given us Bible prophecy. Now, Peter, I was taking a look at, uh, the coronavirus statistics, and um, yeah, just this week I um, I came across an article where where it pointed out that in the first six months since uh, the coronavirus uh, statistics began, all the way there in January, in the first six months we got to ten million uh, cases. So in six months, ten million cases. Right-o. In the last six weeks, we've reached our second 10 million. Mm. So in six months, 10 million, mm. and it only took six weeks to yeah. reach the second 10 million. Yeah. So this reminds us of the words of Jesus because he shared that analogy yeah. of labor pains
3: mm. uh,
0: regarding his coming. And we can clearly see that the speed of, of world events is certainly increasing significantly.
1: Well, we talked about last week that uh, both you and I, we have family members down in Victoria. And, of course, uh, their lockdown measures have uh, been some of the most, uh, more severe in the world uh, thus far. And, uh, you know, they've still got, I think, some 400-odd cases today. I think it was, or overnight, I should say. Um, and what what's interesting too is um, that New Zealand records their first virus cases in 102 days.
0: Yeah, I saw that yesterday. So,
1: which is really remarkable because, um, you know, they haven't had... Uh, Cases for that long, obviously, and so um, you know, everybody was saying what a great job they have been doing at keeping it out um, and so forth. But it just, I suppose, it reminds us that it's not going away easily and it's not going away soon. And I think because of that, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, when we talked about um, looking at the world sorry, looking at the news biblically, Mm. uh, you mentioned before. When we look at the the, the sort of headlines of where the world is now, we're not necessarily um, going to try and pick out every sort of news item and say, look, here's a Bible verse that matches that. But I think what we can see is the trends. Mm, We can see the trends where they're trending. And certainly this pandemic is one of those world-changing events. There's no two ways about that. Um, Nobody's going to forget 2020 and what happened here. And we don't know where, you know, whether the COVID-19 crisis will end, when it will end, um, and what that's about. I was listening to uh, a podcast that I like to listen to, and the ABC produces each working day, called the uh, Corona cast, And they were talking about, somebody had written in and said that uh, even if they were to find a vaccine today, it's gonna to take 18 months for it to get to your GP. Wow. Um, so, you know, because... Of 18 all, months.
0: So that's the end of 2021. The testing
1: and the, the producing and all sorts of that. So it's kind of... Uh, that's a significant situation for the world to be facing. We've already talked about the health concerns. We've talked about the financial concerns. And uh, we'll be talking some more about that. But, yeah, just to, to see, you know, this second wave, uh, as it were... Um, moving around the world in different places is obviously a concern for many.
0: It is. and. Um and that is why we have entitled our program "Looking Up." Some of our listeners that yeah. may have joined us for the first time today—a big welcome to you! If this is um, the first time you're joining us on our program, you may be wondering, um, "Looking Up?" Yeah, that's a that's a cool title. I think it's really <laughs> cool to look up, <laughs> better than looking down. Um, but why do we? Why have we called it "Looking Up"? It's because of what Jesus said. Using the words of Jesus, they're actually not our words. They're the words of Jesus that you find in Luke chapter 21. And verse 28, and there at the end of a passage um, where Jesus talks about the signs of his coming, he talks about, you know, there's going to be great fear, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be, you know, turmoil amongst the nations, there's going to be all sorts of upheaval. Jesus says, when you see all these things taking place and you see this taking place more and more and more, he says, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Um, and so that's where we get the the title for our program for looking up and really, Peter. Uh, you know, people ask me, you know, how do you uh, how do you uh, remain optimistic? Yeah, how do you remain optimistic? Because when people ask me how are you doing, most people say I'm doing fine. Yeah. Fine, thanks. But not me. When people ask me, how are you doing? You know what I say. I'm praising the Lord. Yeah. And they're like, what? You're praising the Lord at a time like this? And I'm like, yes, that's because all these things are telling me that Jesus is coming soon. He yeah. loves me. He's got a plan for me. And this world will not continue like this forever. There is a There is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And it's not the vaccine. It's not the vaccine, it's the coming of Jesus. And it's
1: not the government that's going to save you. No, it's not. uh, I think that, uh, obviously, governments are scrambling to try to do their best to provide for their citizens and so forth in many cases. But uh, the government won't save you, uh, the vaccine won't save you, um, only Jesus can save you. And I think it's important for us to remember that. I mean, certainly... um, I think as Christians, we have this kind of um, strange dichotomy that as the world gets worse, we become more optimistic Mm. in the sense that not because we enjoy seeing people suffer or we enjoy the, the various disasters that are occurring on a regular basis in the world, but because we know from Scripture that these are signs of the times that are telling us that Jesus is coming soon. And it means that all of this... Negative stuff, all of the suffering, all of the pain, all of the death is going to come to an end at some point soon. It's inter- and uh, yeah, that's, that, that's what we look forward to.
0: It's interesting that Jesus used the analogy of labor pains there in the book of John, um, and he speaks of a woman who is about to give birth. And um, and you know she's in pain, and obviously you and I we don't know what that's like. But the ladies out I there, I have no idea. <laughs> I've I've been there a couple of times um, at the birth of our two daughters, and it's a, it's a real privilege, um, just a very special. Um, moment to be there but Jesus used the analogy of of a woman that is about to go into labor and um, yeah the fear and um, and 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 the pain associated with all that and the labor itself but it says but for the joy that is set before her you know, she's looking forward to this new uh, birth, uh, the, this new life um, that will be placed in her arms that she'll be able to love. You know, for the rest of for, for the rest of her life. And um, and she and she goes on again. You know, and then she'll fall pregnant a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and who knows how many down down the track, depending on who she is. And so, and so that's what we're looking forward to. These are the labour pains now. That we're in these, these, these things that we see, the pain, the suffering, the sorrow. These are the labor pains that Jesus talked about. But at the end of the labor pains, there is a deliverance. There is a new day. There is joy. There is happiness. And that is the coming of Jesus. So wherever you are, my friend, I pray that as you see this world falling apart more and more, that you will indeed look up because our, indeed our redemption is drawing near. Now, now, Peter, you wanted to share something else. Well, I was just
1: going to say that I think that um, we've mentioned before that the pandemic has uh, provided a pause to the busyness of the world um, for a time as well, and I think it's you know caused a lot of people to rethink and take stock and see where what's what's really meaningful, what's important in life, and you know what is worth hanging on to, mm. uh, because lots of things have changed, lots of things are not the same. And um, we just want to encourage people to use the time that God has given us in this uh, this sort of calm before the storm, as we've been talking about, um, to develop their relationship with God, to uh, you know, read a chapter of Scripture every day, to talk to God in prayer every day, to maybe talk uh, about God and the things they're finding in the Bible with somebody else. Maybe they know a fellow believer and they, they can be... In active conversation with them or maybe they're learning things that they want to share with other people these things are going to um, help strengthen our relationship with god and i think that's what's going to be most important because you know when we read about in that passage in luke that you talked about in luke 21 where it says men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things that are coming upon the earth uh there that those comments are made in the context of we don't know what's going on we don't know where we're headed and that doesn't have to be the experience of the Christian. And so what God is wanting to do us to do is to put our faith in him, put our trust in him, have confidence as we see his word coming to pass to build that relationship with God. He's the one who's going to save us. And when we are close to God, then we can put our faith and trust in him. And uh, I think that 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 will give us peace of mind. The Bible talks about a peace of mind that passes understanding, and certainly people in the world need that today. I remember a time, Danny, when I didn't have that, and uh, I just wondered what on earth, what, what was the purpose of life? Mm. What was the point in getting up in the morning? What, uh, where was the world headed, and why was I even here? Mm. Um, and all of those questions are answered by a relationship with God. So I just want to encourage people to use the time that we have. To build on that relationship through prayer, talking to God, letting God talk to us through Scripture, and uh, then
0: sharing that with others. Absolutely, and um, yeah, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, He is the Prince of Peace, and He does give us that peace. So, after the after the break, we're going to go to some music and the news, and then after that, we're going to plunge into our subject for today on the mark of the beast and the seal of God. So, stay tuned. And sit back in the meantime and enjoy People Get Ready from The Idea of North. Afternoon, and welcome back. Great to have you with us this afternoon on Looking Up with Danny Malenkov, myself, and my good friend Peter Watts. And we are now um, in this next hour and a half. We're going to start unpacking this all-important uh, message from Scripture, from the Book of Revelation, from the heart of Revelation. And that especially impacts those who are living at the very end of time. Uh, the mark of the beast is what we're going to be looking at, Peter. Yeah, it's, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of questions regarding this subject. If you go online, there are a ton of websites. In fact, in fact, I I, I typed in uh, into Google last night. What is the mark of the beast? Mm. And do you know how many do you know how many hits I got or do you know how many different a couple, websites? A couple of dozen. No, more than a couple of dozen, like over two hundred million. Literally. Wow. Over two hundred million websites <laughs> that had something to say on the mark of the beast. Uh, when I typed in that question. So there's a lot of confusion. There's um, a lot of yeah, speculation. There's a lot of speculation as to what it is, whether it's a chip, whether it's a number, 666, whether it's this, that, whether it's the United Nations, whether it's some um, um, individual, um, what it is. Is is it is it some yeah chip? Is it the vaccine? A lot of people now, you know. Uh, is it the, a supercomputer? Supercomputer. Well so that was the beast anyway. Yeah. So yeah now, I'd
1: heard a lot of these, uh, Danny, too, in terms of... You know, I used to think, and I think a lot of people think, that 666 is the mark of the beast. Mm. And so um, I think it was important that we uh, dealt with the the image of the beast and the mark of the beast last week in our program. And if you didn't check that out, uh, if you uh, didn't hear that and you'd like to find out what we said about uh, the image of the beast and the number of the beast, you can check that out in our podcast from last week, which is um, just go to the website faithfm.com.au podcasts and you'll find it there in the looking up um, section so um, that's where you'll find that but in terms of the mark of the beast um, we mentioned earlier Danny that there is a counterpart to the mark of the beast so in the in the Bible in the last book of the Bible we find that at the end of time there is the mark of the beast that is received by all those who are followers of the beast and then there's also the seal of God, which all those who are followers of God receive. Now, most of the time, I'm sure many people outside of, uh, you know, the Christian faith have probably heard of the mark of the beast, Mm. but they may not have heard of the seal of God. Mm. And basically these are, uh, two sides of the same coin, so to speak, in the sense that everybody, somebody's going, everybody's going to receive either one of those two. They're either going to receive the mark of the beast or they're going to receive the seal of God. And, uh, I'm noticing here, uh, Danny, in, the, in your presentation that um, for every truth of God, Satan has a counterfeit. That's right. And uh, we've seen that over and over again. And, uh, you know, should I run through? Yeah, run, yeah, yeah, run of through. Them, yeah. Why not run through? Th- the, these, these are
0: just from the book of Revelation.
1: Yeah. So just in the book of Revelation alone, you have the lamb versus the dragon. You know, you have the new Jerusalem versus Babylon. You know, I've I've presented a message called A Tale of Two Cities, um, about Babylon and and Jerusalem. And in fact, you can go all the way back to Genesis. That's right. You find both the the beginnings of Jerusalem and the beginnings of Babylon and all the way to the book of Revelation.
0: That's
1: right. And so it truly is a tale of two cities. Then you've got the Holy Spirit and you've got, uh, sorry, the Holy Trinity and then you've got a counterfeit trinity in the book of Revelation. You've got uh, the commandment keepers and the commandment breakers. You've got a virgin on one hand and a harlot on Mm. the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got the bride of the lamb versus the harlot of the beast and and so on and so forth. And then finally you've got the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And there's a contrast between these truths of God and then the counterfeit of the enemy.
0: Absolutely, and it's interesting because right there at the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, the Bible said, had two sons. They had Cain and Abel, and two altars were established. One altar in harmony with... um, God and his word and and how to worship him according to how God has prescribed, yes. and that that was that was Abel, and then you had Cain who set up his altar, and instead of placing a lamb or, or or placing an animal that represented the death of the Messiah and the Savior, he placed his first fruits. He placed his fruits and his vegetables. So it was worship in according to according to his ways rather than according to God's ways. The
1: fruits of his labor.
0: That's right. So all the way from Genesis we have this with the, we have this conflict over worship, and the Book of Revelation is a book that centers on worship. The whole Bible is about worship because the, the original war in heaven was over worship, over allegiance.
1: Yeah, exactly. Who are we loyal to? Who do we worship? And we've mentioned before, and I think I, I want to mention right here again, the word worship is made up of two words. That's worth-ship. In other words, it's that which you regard as of greatest worth to you. Hmm. Whatever you deem as of greatest worth to you, that is what you worship. Now, you might say, well, I've got God in third place, but whoever is in first place is really God. That's right. Uh, So whatever it is that we think is of the most value to us is is what we worship. And so it always has been about worship. You mentioned Cain and Abel, and it's a fascinating story you can find in Genesis chapter 4. We won't read all the way through it, but basically Adam and Eve have two sons. One worships according to the way God has required, and another worships his own way. And what happens is that God speaks to Cain um, in compassion and says, Cain, you know, why are you uh, downcast? You know, um, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door mm. and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So it, God is saying, look, you're being tempted to, to go your own way. Um, and what happens is Cain gets angry with Abel. So the one who is worshiping his own way, who is worshiping contrary to to God's plan, he gets angry with the one who is worshiping according to God's mm. plan. And what you have then is this conflict over worship and Cain kills Abel. In other words, the one who is worshiping falsely persecutes the one who is worshiping according to God's plan and and what's interesting about that is Cain receives a mark mm. you know we talk about it the mark of Cain Cain receives a mark the one who is worshiping according to his own plan the one who has persecuted the one who is worshiping uh, rightly he's the one who receives a mark and that's fascinating when you think about the book of Revelation
0: mm. absolutely because in the book of Revelation uh, we discover that those that are worshiping um, according to the false, manner of worship are the ones that persecute and are the ones that receive the mark of the beast so this is our subject for for this afternoon I think it's such an important subject, uh, Peter, that we need to pray. I think
1: that's wise. We
0: need to pray. We need to ask God to bless our time and His Word. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the Book of Revelation. So, if you have your Bibles there somewhere handy or on a phone, um, we'd invite you to pick them up at this time, and maybe a notepad. You might want to make some notes. But we're going to we're going to we're going to pause for a moment. We're going to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to bless us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your Word. Uh, we 're dealing with uh, a most important topic father this this issue is going to divide the world into two camps at the end of time before the coming of Jesus, the saved and the lost. Father, we need to know the truth, and you have promised that if we if we dig into your word if we if we focus on spending time into your word, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free and so Father, we need to know the truth about this subject there 's so much confusion uh there are there are so many different theories there's so much speculation we need to know what your word has to say so bless us we pray as we open your word open our hearts and our minds and we pray this in jesus name amen 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 all right well peter let's let's uh dive right into that passage of the mark of the beast in the book of revelation and i'm going to invite you can i pick up on a
1: couple of verses in that chapter even before we get to the mark of the beast, because I want people to understand why the see those who receive the mark of the beast are end end up worshiping the beast essentially, and so um, there's two verses in Revelation 13 that I just want to pick up before we dive into the passage on the mark of the beast.
0: Yeah, go for it. And
1: so in verse four of Revelation 13. It talks about those, um, well, let's pick it up on verse 3, because we had said that this beast power of of Revelation 13, 1-10, represented the Roman papacy. We've talked about that in previous messages. If that's news to you, if you're shocked, it doesn't surprise me at all. Many people are. I was shocked when I heard that. But go back and listen to some of the previous episodes and you'll understand that. But it says, in Revelation thirteen three and 4, it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Then in verse 4, it says, So they worshipped the dragon. Now, the dragon in the book of Revelation is the devil. That's
0: right. From Revelation they 12. They worshipped the
1: dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? The point is, people might say, How could it be possible that people would fall? for worshiping the beast. But if we know our Christian history, we know how the devil has manipulated the Christian faith in such a way, you know, he tried to persecute it out of existence. That failed, and so he joined the church. Mm. The devil joined the church and then started to change the church from within to from being a persecuted body to being a persecuting body. Yeah. I mean, that is a phenomenal Transformation: a t- taking the church, the Christian church, as a persecuted body, and then turning it into a persecuting body. Mm.
0: And last week we looked at um, how how the devil will work, especially at the end of time, in the second half of Revelation 13. When we unpacked that last week, he works through his two favourite methods of attack which are coercion which is force which yep. is what you're talking about persecution yep. and deception yep. which is infiltration yes. and working on the inside and and that's and that's nothing new under the sun no. in that at the very beginning of time how was eve deceived she was deceived by by the serpent and it was the devil who through the serpent using the medium of the serpent deceived her he didn't come straight out so the enemy never comes straight out that's how deception works he's a con man he is the is the ultimate con man
1: that's right he's the yeah that's right he's the the father of all con men One last verse I want to share, and then we're diving into the Mark of the Beast uh, verses. In Revelation 13, talking of this first beast, it says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from Mm. the foundation of the world. So here you have a contrast. It says all all who dwell on the earth are going to worship him. This is going to be a global movement. This is going to be a lot of people in the world who are worshipping the beast, but not everybody. It says all. But then it points, except,
3: except, yes, <laughs>
1: yeah, except uh, um, worshiping whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. So that's where we want to be. We're either going to worship the beast or we're going to worship the Lamb.
0: So you and have the seal of be, God and the mark of the beast there in that verse. In a way,
1: yes, the, the the seal of God and the mark of the beast are, if you like, the logo for each of these two powers that are competing for mm. your allegiance and for mine for your worship and for mine you're either going to worship the beast and keep the marker that have the mark of the beast or you're going to worship the lamb and you're going to have the seal of god
0: that's right so that's what we're going to look at so in the next little bit before we move to our break we're going to go to what i would consider and i think you would agree with me peter the strongest warning in the book of revelation all it's right. the third angel's message
1: all right where do we find that revelation
0: then? chapter 14 um, we have three angels uh, mentioned there. The th- the final message of God's love. Uh, the first angel's message is verses six and seven. And by the way, this is the everlasting gospel. Yeah. Uh, the good then, news. The good news. That's what that's what gospel means. Good news. The second angel's message is in verse eight, which is Babylon. We mentioned that earlier, and um, Babylon uh, fallen. That's 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 the enemy's end time system, and then in verses nine to twelve. We have the third angel's message. And I'm going to read through verses 9 to 12. And that's going to be our study. And we're going to unpack that as we go along. Okay. This is what it says. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So here in this passage we have the contrast between two groups. You shared earlier on in Revelation thirteen eight, we've got two groups there. We have one group who worship the beast. They, they worship his image and they receive his mark, which is the mark of the beast. You have another group in verse 12. They are referred to as, as those who keep the commandments of God and they have the faith of Jesus. They're the patient saints. So That's you have the these, group you want to belong that's to. That's the group you want to belong to. So once again, the seal of God and the mark of the beast. This group here like, that are referred to as patient saints, that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. They receive the seal of God as we're going to take a look at. And we're going to unpack what the seal of God is in just right. a little bit. Okay. And the other group they sadly received the mark of the beast and they are lost forevermore Mm. so with that introduction we're going to go to some music and then after that music break we're going to continue to unpack this all-important subject so sit back don't go anywhere tell a friend and uh you're going to be listening to the homeland singers wonderful words of life Welcome back to Faith FM and Looking Up. I hope you enjoyed that song, Wonderful Words of Life. I love that song. It's such a beautiful song. Well, before we went to that beautiful piece of music, we looked at the third angel's message there where God gives a very strong warning uh, to all the inhabitants of the world at the end of time under no circumstances to receive the mark of the beast. Now, we have to ask ourselves one very important question. Would God make this very strong appeal, give this very strong warning without making it perfectly clear as to what, this mark of the beast is and what the seal of God is, as we've taken a look at. That's the opposite. It's called the book of revelation. That's right. It reveals the truth. It's the it's the unveiling of truth. And God has never in the past, never in all of human history has God Done something significant that impacts um, the world, that impacts the people that God created in His own without giving a warning. Mm. All the way through, from the very beginning of time, all the way through to our day, God has always warned what is on the horizon and what is coming up. And I just want to share a couple of scriptures here with you. The first one is in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, where the Bible says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. So before God does something significant, He will reveal it through his servant the prophets to all just yeah. like He did with noah
1: so we don't need your promise anymore danny from saying that god won't do anything because it's right there it's right there for the lord god does nothing unless he reveals his
0: servants that's the exactly right so
1: i think that you know that's the blessing of of god sharing what will be with us so that we can share it with us. That's others. right.
0: There are there are things that are secret that belong to the Lord mm. um, and God has not revealed them to us. For example, one of them is uh, His coming and when He will come, but the things that He has revealed belong to us. And Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, Jesus says, uh, sorry, uh, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed mm. belong to us and to our children forever. Yeah that we may do all the words of this law. And Jesus finally, He gave, He gave clear warning signs before the destruction of Jerusalem so that The Christians in the city could flee at the appropriate time. And when the siege, the second siege of Jerusalem took place in 70 AD, not one Christian lost their lives because they had heeded the warnings that Jesus gave some 40 years beforehand and they had fled at the right time. So that's just how God works and God operates. So now we want to take a look at, Um, what the Bible has to say, and it's going to become as clear as the nose on your face. It really will. As the noonday sun as to what the mark of the beast is and the seal of God is, it's going to be just so crystal clear. You are just going to love it. So if you have your Bibles, um, I want to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 7 because here we find the seal of God. And if you have the seal of God, you cannot receive the mark of the beast. They are two exclusive opposites. So Peter, could you read for us Revelation chapter 7, and if you're able to read verses 1 to 4.
1: I will do that. Um, Just before I read this, um, if we want to know something about the mark of the beast, it's going to be good to know something about the seal of God in contrast. Mm. And that's going to help us to identify the mark of the beast. So that's why we want to look at the seal of God. So Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 to 4, it reads this way. After these things I saw... Four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea, on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea and the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads and I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed.
0: Okay, so here we have God's end time people sealed before Jesus comes. And so we have the winds um, of strife.
1: Yeah, the angels are, are holding back the winds of strife before they, they let loose. Um, and so they're holding back those winds in order to seal God's servants with the seal of God.
0: And that reminds us of the days of Noah because before the flood came Noah went into the boat with his with his wife and his sons and their wives and the Bible says and the door was shut mm. so God sealed Noah and then the rains came
3: mm, and
0: interesting. and the same will take place at the end of time. Now in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1 we have God's end time people described as having something something different on their forehead which is which is essentially the same and we'll unpack that as we go in Revelation 14:1 um the bible says then i looked and behold the lamb standing on mount zion and with him 144,000 that's the 144,000 we've just read about here in Revelation chapter yeah. 7 this is the parallel passage to that having his father's name written on their foreheads so to have the seal of god is to have the father's name Written in the forehead. Written in the forehead. Now that's significant. It is. And we're going to go, as we go along, you're going to discover that you can receive the mark of the beast in the forehead or in in the right hand, Mm. but you can only Only receive receive the seal of God in the forehead. That is
1: significant.
0: That's very significant. So I'll just, I'll quickly, in case you may be wondering why, uh, just in simple terms, and we don't have time to really unpack it and go into too much detail, but the mind is a representative of choice. It's a representative of you making a choice based on what you believe is true. Right. Whereas the, whereas the hand, the right hand in Scripture is, uh, is a symbol of works. It's, it's a symbol of your action. It's a symbol of your action. So there'll be those that won't necessarily believe in this, but because they want to buy and sell, as Revelation 13 says, unless you have the mark of the beast you're not able to buy and sell, they will go along with it. Mm-hmm. Just like today. Just like today. It's no different to what's happening with COVID, sure. Peter. Yeah, yeah. There are those that believe in wearing masks. They believe it's it's for their health benefit. And they believe what the government authorities say. Um Yet there are the other group who don't believe in it, who believe it's actually damaging to your health, and it's a conspiracy, and so on and so forth. We could even yet they go along with that because they don't want to be fined. Well, we but could I'll, even go
1: further than that. Like hmm. I think Woolworths had said um, that uh, they only let in customers who were wearing masks. That's right. So is, in in that very. A uh, small instance, you mm. can't buy or sell unless you have the mask of the
0: beast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> now, folks, going into Woolworths uh, is not receiving no, the no,
4: mask
1: no, of the beast. <laughs> Please don't stretch that analogy longer than it is. But my, the illustration it's is safer this. safer to go to
0: Coles. Coles, Coles, Coles. No, no, no. No. <laughs> the illustration
1: no. is this, that, that there is a consequence. That's right. That you either can get in or you can't. And so that was very interesting to me. I want to say one sentence Mm, about the 144,000. Go for it. Because somebody's going to ask a question about that anyway. Uh, We read that in Revelation 7 um, verse 4, and now we hear it's the same group of people. Essentially, it is God's faithful people at the end of time prior to the coming of Christ. That's as simple as I could put it. That's back. right. We
0: could do a whole we could study do a whole, on it. And
1: maybe we will. Maybe we maybe will. Maybe we will. But in a short sentence, yes, that's. they represent God's faithful people at the end of time, just before Christ returns. Um, and people are going to say, is that a literal number? I believe very sincerely that it is not a literal number and that becomes very clear as you read the rest of the passage. book of Revelation is written in signs and symbols. We've seen that throughout the series that we've been talking about. It's a symbolic number. It represents God's faithful people at the end of time.
0: Very good. And I just want to make one... One all important point regarding um, the father's name in the Bible, name represents character. So these individuals have the father's character stamped on their foreheads, mm, um, in their minds and in their hearts, their beliefs. So that's that's extremely important. Now, now, what's the significance of a seal? And having in particular the seal of God or the Father's name in the forehead. There's a scripture here in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, which I think really gives us some insight. Peter, would you like to read that one? 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19. Do you have it there or would you like I me do, to read it?
1: Well, 2 Timothy 6?
0: Verse 19.
1: Uh, there's only, there's uh, oh. You must be 1 Timothy okay. 6, Okay, it must 19. be 1
0: Timothy 6, 19. There's only four chapters <laughs> in 2 Timothy. <laughs> well, it can't be 2 Timothy. It must be 1 Timothy. I might have a typo there. So... Um, is it storing
1: up for themselves will, a good No, foundation?
0: no. I, I will read it. I All will right, read it, ahead. and I'm pretty sure it's in First Timothy chapter six, verse nineteen. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, in this passage here, we have we have the Bible telling us that God knows those who belong to Him, and He knows. Each and every one that names the name of Christ. Now I don't think that's first Timothy six nineteen. That is probably First Timothy something else. Um, chapter three, verse, or chapter two. Where is it? I wonder. I know it's in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, I will I will look to get that reference for you. I'm gonna you. find it for you. But it's it it's definitely in Timothy. So um but the point Second Timothy two nineteen. Ah two nineteen. Okay, there you go, folk. Would you like me to read it again for yes, you? Yes, I would.
1: For all those who are taking notes, <laughs> this is Second 2 Timothy 2.19. No wonder Thanks. I couldn't find it. Thanks, Peter. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity.
0: Okay. Now, a seal, before we take a look at the three key components of a seal, um, in ancient times, a seal represented ownership, it represented the proof of authenticity, the proof of, of approval, the proof of irreversibility, like uh, Darius, King Darius, and, and the tomb of Jesus that was sealed. The proof of authority. Yes, as well as, well as proof of likeness. Mm-hmm. I discovered, and you and I, we've seen some of these seals. We've been to the Middle East and some of the museums. have
1: dug up a lot of these ancient seals. They, they have.
0: And they were cylindrical in nature, many of them. And they had the likeness of... Of the person giving the seal, and in many cases that would be the king. Yeah, um, they had his likeness on the seal. So when the seal was um, placed over that hot wax, it had the likeness of the king's image. Mm. And so the significance is those who are sealed with the seal of God, with the with the name of God, the character of God, they have His image, the king's image, His likeness. Mm. So that's really important. Now
1: that is interesting.
0: Now regarding. A seal there are three elements and um, this is really easy uh, to pick up and um, if you're in Australia you'll you'll be able to pick this uh, pick this up so easily so some of you might be at home if you are at home and if you're close to your purse or if you've got a or if you've got a coin somewhere handy why don't you pull out a coin right now and on the Australian coin you discover that we have a seal do you have any money in there? No, you don't. <laughs> Here's Peter Watts pulling out his wallet and there's nothing in it. <laughs> Sadly, most of us have got plastic these days. Well, many people have got plastic and so dollars. People uh, might have to pull out a drawer to find a drawer. Yeah, coin. they may have to. But anyway, on on say you, you take an Australian one dollar coin. On a one on an Australian one dollar coin you have a seal on there. And the three elements of the seal are the person's name their title, and their dominion. Mm. And so if we take a look at the Australian dollar coin, and I'm looking at one right here, on there you have an image of our queen, our head of state, which is Queen Elizabeth the Second. The second. And there is a crown on her head that signifies that she's a queen. She's a monarch. Uh, and, um, and then we have her name there, Elizabeth II, the left-hand side of the coin. And on the other side, on the right-hand side, we have the nation that she is sovereign over, and that's Australia. So we have a name, Elizabeth II. We have a title because of the crown that mm-hmm. is on her head. And we have a dominion, which is Australia. Yeah. So these are the three elements of a seal. Yeah. Nice and simple.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm looking at one here. This is uh, the, the seal of Canada. And it's got Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Right there, right there. Wow, that 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 that, that's amazing. And um, and when it comes to the seal, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 8, verse 16, God says, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. So God is telling us that his law will contain his seal. And that shouldn't surprise us, Mm -hmm. um, Peter, because God wrote The Ten Commandments with his very own finger, the Bible tells us, and he wrote them on tablets of stone. And so this was the most precious, uh, the most important document that we have in all of Scripture. And it was to be held there in the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place. In the most sacred place amongst the Israelite community. And so when it comes to the seal of God, we need to ask ourselves, whereabouts in the Ten Commandments, God's law of love, that law that deals with how we relate to God, how we relate to our fellow man, where on earth does the seal where, yeah, where on earth do we find the seal? And we don't have time to unpack that right now. We're going to get into the answer for that question in just a little bit. But just to, just to remind you that Jesus said that when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on and said, on these two, that is on these two principles, love towards God, The first four commandments, love towards your neighbor. The last six commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of scripture is founded and grounded on those two principles of love that we find um, explained more so in the Ten Commandments. So after the break, don't go away. We're going to help you understand and know from scripture, from the Ten Commandments, where we can find God's law that his end time people keep. So sit back and enjoy this new song by The Mark.
4: Where the nails have been By the sign Upon His precious skin I will know my Savior When I come to Him By the mark Where the nails have been When
0: Welcome back. You've been listening to the Wells Family and the Mark. Uh, before we went to that music break, we discovered that a seal has three all-important elements. A seal has uh, the person's name, giving the seal, their title, and their dominion. And we discovered that you can find that uh, quite easily on the side on, on, on one of the sides of one of our one of our coins here in Australia. Now, we also discovered that God's seal is to be found amongst His disciples that keep His law. It's to be found in His commandments. And there are ten commandments. And as you go through those ten commandments, you discover that there is only one commandment that has those three all-important elements. The name, the title, and dominion. And that commandment is the fourth commandment. That's the only one that has those three all-important elements. And so, Peter, would you be able to read for us the fourth commandment, God's seal, that we find here in the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. If you're taking notes, that's Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to
1: 11. Yeah, sure. Here we go. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it.
0: Thank you so much. So here we have these three elements. And in particular, if you want to zero in on verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord, there is his name, and as you pointed out, To me earlier, um, Peter, uh, that word Lord is Yahweh and it appears three times.
1: It's the name that is used in the Bible that's only ever used in the Bible to designate God. So the word God, Elohim, which is a Hebrew, that might refer to the real God or to false gods. But the word Yahweh only ever is referred to the God of heaven.
0: And, it's a, and it appears three times here in this commandment. So mm. twice here in verse 11. So we have It's his like name. a
1: mountain peak, Danny, because here we are in the middle of the Ten Commandments mm. and we have Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh three times in this con- commandment. It doesn't appear three
0: times in any of the others. Wow, that's very powerful. So we have uh, Yahweh, the name of the Lord. Here, um, there is His name, the Father's name. We, the Father's name. We have His title, and His title um, is established by the word "made." The Lord made. That means He is the Creator. He is the Creator. That is His title. He mm. is our Creator, and then you have His dominion. What did He make? The heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And then it's interesting, it goes on and finishes off with, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And that reminds us of the language of Genesis chapter two, where God first gave the Sabbath to Adam and Eve. And there you'll find those three elements as well. Yeah. We won't take a look at that now, but if you go to Genesis chapter two and um, and verse three, there you find those yeah. those three elements and we, as well. We did
1: a whole programme on that on the Sabbath.
0: We, we indeed did. And also, when you go to Revelation 14, verse 7, and if you want to read that for us, because here in the first angel's message regarding worship, we have once again uh, those three elements.
1: All right, so Revelation 14, verse 7, the first of the three angel's messages, it says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of waters.
0: So here we have those three elements. Once again, God, here is his name. Fear God, there is his name. Who made, that's his title. He's the creator. And what did he make? Here is his dominion. His dominion is heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So the seal of God very clearly, all the way from Genesis into the Ten Commandments, and here in the book of Revelation, the first angel's message, the seal of God is indeed the Sabbath. Now, there are those who may be thinking, based on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, that the seal is the Holy Spirit. Have you come across that before, that yeah. the seal is there's the Holy couple, Spirit?
1: There's a couple of passages in Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30, but um, what we would say there is it's the Holy Spirit that does the sealing. Mm. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the third person of the Godhead, so... Uh, the the Holy Spirit is a a person. He is a divine person. So um, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the sealing. But at the end of time, the Sabbath is God's seal. In fact, in Ezekiel, we're told that it is a sign of the covenant between God and his people. We read that twice in Ezekiel, in uh, Ezekiel chapter uh, 20, verse 12 and 20, verse 20, I think.
0: That's right, yeah. Ezekiel 20.12 and Ezekiel 20.20. 20. And it's also found in Exodus chapter 31. Mm-hmm. God's seal and His sign as the Sabbath. So yeah, Ephesians 4.30, very clearly, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But the seal is not the Holy Spirit, it's the Sabbath. So so, so, in, so the, sorry, I was okay. going to say, yes. Yeah, so, so the big question is, what is the, the mark of the beast? If the seal of God is clearly the Sabbath, what is the, the mark of the beast?
1: So first of all, what we want to do is to backtrack a little bit. The beast that we're talking about is the first beast of Revelation, chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. We have identified this as the Roman papal power. Now, some people might be shocked about that. And what we are certainly not saying is that all Roman Catholics have the mark of the beast or all Roman Catholics are, you know, uh, beastly people. We certainly don't want anybody to have that impression. God loves Roman Catholics. God loves Lutherans and atheists and he God even, loves all people. He even loves me and that's the most amazing <laughs> thing. So God loves people, mm. right? God loves people. What we're well, talking so love the world but he right. gave his only that's right. son. So what we're talking about here is not the people we're talking about the system of worship that has been overtaken, it's been usurped by the devil himself to try to turn people away from the truths of God and into pagan uh, beliefs and practices, and so what you have is uh, when we're talking about the mark of the beast. The first question we want to answer is who is the beast? And as we have, uh, we and not only we, but many Protestants, reformers. Protestant reformers, hundreds of years ago, identify this power as the Roman papal power. So when we talk about the mark of the beast, we're talking about what is the mark of the Roman papal power?
0: What is the mark of its authority? Yes. Um, and we're going to take a look at that now. We've looked at this in a previous um, episode where we unpacked Daniel chapter 7, where God identifies this little horn power, which is the same power as this first beast in Revelation 13 that we've been speaking of. And there God says that this power, and I'm reading in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, speaking of this little horn power, this beast power, this antichrist power, this power would seek or shall intend to change times and law. Mm. So this is this is five hundred years prior to the Book of Revelation when mm. Daniel is writing, and uh, and God shows him very clearly that this power would arise that would seek to tamper with God's holy law.
1: So this is yeah. So this is um, five hundred years before Christ, and it's it's also. Um, you, you know, an, about a thousand years before the papal power would really exercise its strength right. and power. That's right. So, and of course, it's two, two and a half thousand years earlier than where we are now. So, um, yes, it talks about him changing, an attempt would be made to change God's times and laws. What's significant about that, of course, is when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's only one of the commandments that is both a time and a law, and that, of course, is the Sabbath commandment.
0: Absolutely. So um, we, won't, we won't take time to read Second Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, but there the Apostle Paul speaks of a power that would arise that would seek to take over the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone, which are worship and allegiance.
1: Indeed. And we, again, uh, a few episodes ago, we, we did a, uh, a whole program on the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath that we find from uh, Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Um, We did a whole program on that and then we did a whole program on how the Sabbath was changed by the Christian church over time after the Bible was written and we we saw how uh, the church changed from the Sabbath from Sabbath to Sunday uh, and we saw that in the history of the church.
0: We did indeed. And, um, and just to give you um, a historical reference here, this is from the Church of Rome. And once again, as Peter pointed out, we're not we're not here looking at the individuals that make up the some 1.2 billion um, faithful of the Church of Rome. We're talking about this system, this power. And uh, this is from Catholic, the Catholic Ferraris Ecclesiastical Dictionary. So a Church of Rome um, document the Pope is of so great authority and power that he can modify, change or interpret even divine laws. The Pope can modify divine law since his power is not of man, but of God. So the church openly states that it has the power to change God's law, just as we read in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And when it comes to the change from Saturday to Sunday um, in this particular converts catechism that I have, I've got it there in my uh, in my library by Peter Gearman. Uh There's a question and answer section there relating to this question. And this is what we find. And I'll just go through the question and answers with you. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? The church answers in the catechism. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred that word there is also changed, which we find in Daniel 7.25, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. And then um, the church, once again, this is from the Catholic record of London, Ontario, in Canada, September 1, 1923, when it was asked this question, it stated this, Sunday is our mark of authority the church is above the Bible and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Okay. Now, I think that's very clear to me. Uh, The church has openly stated that Sunday... Is indeed its mark of authority. And if the seal of God is the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath, then it only makes sense, it makes logical sense that the opposite to the seventh day Sabbath is indeed Sunday. So when the church says that Sunday is our mark of authority, it's like a no brainer. Mm.
1: So if Sabbath is God's mark of authority as the creator, it makes sense, as you say. That this would be true. And if this is not you and I saying that Sunday is their mark of authority, this is a statement made by the church itself. So, this is a statement made uh, in the Catholic record Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible. This transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that. Fact.
0: And I find it fascinating, Peter, that the commandment that begins with the word remember. The fourth commandment remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is the only commandment that that Protestant Christians have an issue with the other nine commandments they are fine with but it's the only commandment that Protestant Christians have an issue with and have turned their backs on and instead of the seventh day Sabbath being their day of worship they pursue the first day of the week mm. in honor of the church of Rome and its change and so You have God here very clearly saying, remember the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath. And you have that
1: call to return to the worship of the Mm. Creator in the first angel's message. You do. Uh, And the Sabbath has never gone away. The Sabbath has always been there. um, And God has simply asked us, remember the Sabbath. As you rightly say, it includes the word remember. There's another statement I'm going to share by C.F. Thomas uh, from 1895. He was Chancellor of uh, Cardinal Gibbons. He says, of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change was her act. That's the change from Sabbath to Sunday. And he says, and the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical authority in religious things.
0: And that is the one item that Protestants have followed the Church of Rome in. That's the one item. Right. Not in the item of worshipping images, um, which the which the church does, the second commandment that's been basically um, pulled out um, as far as in practice is concerned. Christians don't go along with that. But the one and only commandment that the Church of Rome has changed, that Christianity by and large uh, follows, is this commandment. Now, I find it fascinating here. We talked about the third angel's message, and there's a really interesting phrase here. It says in verse 11, Revelation 14:11, it speaks of those who have the mark of the beast, and it says they have no rest, day mm. or night. That's mm. fascinating, because yes. the Sabbath is about rest. Yep. And um, so those that those that have the mark of the beast, they don't have the rest that comes from having rest in Christ, having having that wonderful rest that comes through the. Through the Sabbath, you know, the rest in salvation—that we rest in His arms.
1: It's the rest that only God can give, and uh, you're right—you can't get it from anywhere else. And I think that's important. Our, our rest, in terms of our uh, salvation, and in terms of our physical rest, in terms of recognizing our Creator, we can only get that from God, and it is uh, embraced, in encapsulated in in the Sabbath.
0: Absolutely. And so, and so when you read through that third angel's message, it's absolutely crystal clear.
1: One, one little element. We'll, we're going to take a break in a moment, but um, we're going to come back and say, let's ask the question, who has the mark of the beast today? Does anybody have the mark of the beast today? Let's find out after the break.
0: In the meantime, sit back and enjoy uh, My Jesus, I Love Thee by Waterfront Women's Chorus. Welcome back to Faith FM and Looking Up. And we are in the final stretch of our afternoon and we've been unpacking the seal of God and the mark of the beast together. And uh, just just a reminder that at the end of our program we'll be having a giveaway, so stay tuned for that and we'll give you some more details regarding that um, right at the end. We left off before the music break and the news by asking the question... Um, does anyone have the mark of the beast today? Uh, We've been talking about that. We discovered that, that the mark of authority of the beast, which is the Roman church state, according to Bible prophecy that we've unpacked in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13, the mark of the church's authority is Sunday worship. And we have contrasted that with the seal of God, which we have discovered from Scripture, is the Sabbath. Um, so, so the big question is that, and people ask this question, and rightly so. I mean, I'm worshipping on Sunday. Does that mean I have the mark of the beast right now? That's what people have asked me. And let me unequivocally say, in as clear English as I can, no, 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 no. Right now, no one on planet earth has the mark of the beast. Will that day come? Indeed, it will come. When will that day come? The Bible tells us. Peter.
1: Well, I was going to say, so why would we say that no one has the mark of the beast at this point? And I think it comes down to Revelation 13. That's exactly where we're going. We're going going to go there to Revelation 13, verse 16. And uh, we noted last week that the second beast, America, enforces...
0: Of Revelation 13.
1: Of Revelation 13. So Revelation 13, there are two beasts mentioned, one at the beginning, one at the uh, second half. The first one represents papal Rome. The second one represents the United States, which will form an image to the beast. And in Revelation 16, it says, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And you'll notice here that he causes all to receive this mark. And if you don't have the mark, you can't buy or sell. And so... There's coercion here. There is an enforcement of this, Mark. Right now, in Australia, I'm glad that I I live in a free country. We live in a country, Danny, where we can worship the Lord on Sabbath. We can worship anyone we want on any other day. We can choose not to worship. We live in a free country. We're allowed to do that. And so long as that freedom persists, then we'll be happily praising the Lord and worshipping on Sabbath, right? Right. But what you have here is a depicted a time when this enforced religious observance will be placed uh, before the world, and uh, that will be enforced Sunday observance. And we don't have that yet.
0: We don't have that yet, but we can we can clearly see. What is on the horizons and and, and some of the some of the things that are trending in that direction, which we're going to take a look at. But just a reminder, and we looked at this the last time we were together. In the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter three, there is an image set up and there is forced worship. The state sets up an image and and forces everyone to worship otherwise there is a fiery furnace there's a death decree there's a death decree here in revelation chapter sure. 13 and in Reve- and in daniel chapter 6 there we have true worship forbidden right you know you don't need to worship anyone yes. if you choose not to other than the king yes. however you're not allowed to worship the true your god, own god. Yep. your own god which which daniel does so we have false worship prescribed and, and true worship prohibited in mm. the book of daniel mm. now The question is, is there a growing call to set apart Sunday as a special day for worship, family, rest, preserving the environment and even eradicating poverty?
1: Well, yeah, I think we can see, certainly, Danny, when I first was made aware of these things some years ago, uh, it was interesting to see how various news items would be pointing in this direction. Now, as we've said before, Sunday observance is not mandated, it is not commanded, it is not law, so um, having said that, you and I both grew up in uh, this country, well you grew up in this country, I grew up in the UK, but the reality is um, we've always had Sunday trading laws in uh, Australia, in the US, in England. Uh, I remember walking down the high street in uh, England on a Sunday after playing football and uh, it was deserted. There was no shops open. There was nobody there because uh, they were closed on Sundays. And uh, what's interesting, I think it was just last year, was it that um, uh, Kanye West uh, had a song out called Closed on Sunday.
3: Is that uh, right?
1: Yeah, it was called Closed on Sunday. And um, so he has um, you know, declared himself to be a Christian, but he had a, uh, a song out called Closed on Sunday. So, um, yes, in the last, let's go back a few years, 25 years, maybe more, uh, 22 years, Pope John Paul II. Many uh, of our listeners may remember Pope John Paul II, the very popular pope. And in 1998, he issued a declaration from uh, the Vatican.
0: An encyclical.
1: An encyclical, an apostolic letter called Deus Domini, which meant the day of the Lord. And uh, here that was reported upon. He was calling people back to observing Sunday as a holy day. And uh, in the Times, the Sunday Times newspaper from uh, London, it says Pope launches crusade to save Sunday. In reporting on that in the Australian newspaper here in Australia, it says the Sabbath, remember? Hmm. And it talks about the Pope last night issued a strongly worded appeal to Roman Catholics to restore the sacred nature of Sunday. And sort of since this time... There's been sort of elements building towards we need to return to Sunday observance
0: for the sake of family, for the sake of the environment, and we've talked about that in the past. About in a minute, Um, but this is you know fast forward a few years from 1998, and um, interesting headline here, May 16, 2012. This is from Pope Benedict um, before he resigned, and this was the title or this was the headline: Pope, a family's right to work and. Sunday rest. So he was he was suggesting um, that it was a family's right to have Sunday as a day of rest and for the family and to and to seek to bring about um, more family joy, happiness, prosperity, and rest for the family.
1: And it sounds all very marvellous. And of course, we know that the world does need more time for families to be able to come together, and more time for the family to come together under the leadership of God. But this is the point here, is are we coming together under the authority of God on Sabbath or are we coming together under the authority of Rome on Sunday? And so that's the choice that people are ultimately going to be be making. Who is your God? Mm. Uh, Do we obey the commandments of God or do we obey the commandments of men? And um, interestingly, in this uh, apostolic letter that Deus Domini, that Pope John Paul II wrote in 1998, he says, Referring to Pope Leo Thirteenth, who was a previous pope of many years hence, he says, Pope Leo Thirteenth spoke of Sunday rest as a worker's right, which the state must guarantee. Mm. Therefore, also in the particular circumstances of our own time, Christians will naturally strive to ensure that civil legislation respect, respects their duty to keep Sunday holy.
0: That's fascinating because I have a catechism at home um, that actually has that within it, um, right. what you've just quoted. Um, not not that actual statement, but the essence of that statement, it's there. And it's interesting as we, as we move forward a couple of years and Pope Francis comes onto the scene, and this is from the Associated Press, July 6, 2014, and the headline was, Keeping stores open on Sunday is not beneficial for society. That's mm. from Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have this call for Sunday to be set aside for the family. It's a worker's right. And we will get to the environment as, as, as we go along. But there's a, there's a website... And our listener can can go there. It's called the Lord's Day Alliance of the United States. Yeah. And that's where this issue will begin. It's going to begin in the United States and it's going to spread throughout the world according to the book of Revelation. And there I found an article a very interesting article entitled Sunday as a mark of Christian unity. It uses that language from the book of revelation that Sunday is a mark of Christian unity. So now it's being seen as as we put the pieces together, a day for the family, a day for rest, a day that, you know, for the workers' right and a day for Christian unity, a mark of Christian unity. And that's fascinating.
1: So, so here's the thing. So, uh, Whilst ever that is taking place, see, that isn't the problem. The problem comes when you seek to enforce your religious beliefs on people who do not share those religious beliefs. So just as we talked about the United States uh, being set up as a nation with civil and religious freedom, in other words, that they have in their constitution uh, an amendment that that says... The First Amendment. You cannot make a law regarding people's religion in other words you, you can make no law regarding uh, their religious faith and so until that happens people can worship how they want to right however what we understand from scripture is that the scripture is predicting that there will be move, this move towards christian unity towards honoring a day that was set up by a human institution as opposed to honoring the lord of the sabbath by keeping the Sabbath and holy. And that there
0: will be legislated. And I was, um, I've got a very interesting statement here made by Pastor Jerry Falwell. He's now passed away, he passed away uh, a few years ago back in 2007. And he's a prominent evangelical. Well, he was a prominent evangelical yep. um, in the United States with a lot of influence. And this is what he had to say on this subject. He said, "All, and I'm quoting him now, all Americans would do well to petition the president and the Congress to make a federal law and amendment to the Constitution if need be. Speaking of the First Amendment that you quoted. And he goes on, To establish the Sabbath, and he's speaking of Sunday, the Sabbath as a national day of rest. Mm. So he's saying we need to rewrite the Constitution, if yep. need be, in order for Sunday to be legislated as the national day of rest.
1: Yeah, and many people may not realize this about the United States, but they have what are called blue laws, which are many of the states have laws governing what you can and can't do on a Sunday, but most of those laws are not now enforced. But many of those laws still exist on the books of many of the states. There's, some people might be listening, well, yep, that's America. Here we are in Australia. We we don't have too much to worry about that. I mean, we're fairly secular in our approach, right? And, uh, you know, how could this ever uh, develop here in Australia? But I want to take you um, to um, back to the time of John Howard. Back in 2005, he was trying to push through some workplace uh, legislation, workplace reform, and he was opposed by uh, Labor and the Greens, of course, but one of the Green Senators, Rachel Seward, published a paper, "Working uh, Sunday Working and Family Time, and in October 2005, she says, um, Gre- well, the, the article in the Age newspaper said, Green Senator Rachel Seward, who released the report, called on Prime Minister John Howard to enshrine in law the sanctity of Sunday as the day of family life. Greens call for the right to refuse to work on Sundays. So here they are. This is not coming at it from a religious perspective. No. But what the, what is happening is they are calling for the enforcement of a religious law, even though they're not coming at it from a religious perspective. And certainly we've seen plenty of other aspects to this from um, the environmental side of things. So uh, the Guardian newspaper 2009 um, had a story, Slow Sunday, The Simple Solution to Global Warming.
0: Yeah, fascinating stuff. And, um, and I remember the words of Donald Trump back in 2016 when he was seeking to um, take on board the office of, of the presidency. And a headline here from Time magazine back then in August, Donald Trump vowed to close the gap between church and state, and so he promised uh, the evangelicals, "You put me into power, and I'll take care of you. I'll ensure that there are Supreme Court um, judges that will favor Christian values." And that's what we have been seeing. So the things that we are, so the things that we are seeing are taking place before us, and um, only God knows um, how soon. And how that will all eventuate as we move down through time. But we can clearly see uh, the trends, the prophetic trends. So sit back now and enjoy some beautiful music. Welcome back, folk. We are in our final wrap-up, and I hope and pray that you've been blessed by this afternoon's program. Just a reminder, if you have missed any of the programs and you've um, walked into this for the very first time, it may be a good idea, and, a, and it will be a very good idea for you to go onto our Faith FM website. Go to faithfm.org.au. Go to the podcasts, Danny Malenkov and uh, Peter Watts looking up and uh, you can find all the previous episodes there. Now for the giveaway. Are you ready? I uh, hope you're ready to phone in, the first person that phones in. The giveaway is a DVD called Tell the World, and you will be thoroughly blessed. The numbers are 1-800-324-843, or you can text in and receive your DVD on 0491 064 669. Peter, what's on the menu next week?
1: Okay, so this week we were talking about the mark of the beast, and uh, we've sort of wrapped up that topic. We're going to move into Revelation fourteen. We're going to look at the, uh, we're going to review the three angels' messages. We t- touched on one of them today. We're going to unpack that a little bit more because these three messages go to the world just before Jesus returns. So that's what we're going to do next week. So uh, please join us for the review of the three angels' messages in Revelation fourteen next week.
0: Thank you for that, Peter. So, yeah, I hope and pray that you have been blessed this week. We have looked at an extremely important subject. I hope and pray it's been clear, crystal clear from the scriptures. And I know that as you continue to keep looking up, Jesus will bless you. So keep looking up. God bless and bye for now.
2: and pray a song.